0: podcast for canadian spurs fans by canadian spurs fans hi this is ledley king and i just want to say hi to all the spurs fans in canada true north podcast uh i've got nothing much to say well i've got lots to say but we'll get to that in a minute after the sheffield united game that only finished a few hours ago uh welcoming us as our guest today is uh, andrew george andrew welcome
1: thanks thanks bill Good. To, uh, good to talk again
0: No problem. And uh, Andrew, give us a little bit of background about yourself. Uh, You've been involved in the Spurs pod world for a while and um, a little bit about yourself, what you're doing right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, you bet. Uh, well, obviously, Bill, you were on our show previously. We were doing a, a pod for East Spurs USA, despite the fact that I am very Canadian, living in, in Vancouver, but working with a, a group of guys who are mostly based uh, down south, took a bit of a, a hiatus from that. So, you know, potentially looking to do a, a rebrand in the next season when hopefully this debacle of a season comes to uh, comes to an <laughs> end.
0: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So, again, uh, traditional questions. What makes you a Spurs fan? You know, I think I like to support teams that
1: don't win much. You know, I'm a big Canucks <laughs> fan. Uh, and I, I know you also have season tickets to the Whitecaps. So, you know, yep. obviously we're not expecting uh, a lot of success there. But, you know, going back, um, you know, I, I'm just loving a lot of the players kind of from yesteryears. You know, the Bales, the Van der Vaart, you know, um, obviously... Uh, Ledley, those kind of guys. So you know, just just really like Verbatov and I you know really like the brand of football, and you know not wanting to just gravitate towards you know the teams with all the money. Although I was kind of hoping we might have closed the gap a little bit more than uh, than maybe we have right now. But yeah, that kind of sums up my history with supporting the club.
0: Did you did you manage to get to uh, White Hart Lane or the new stadium yet?
1: I haven't yet. No, I I get over to London once in a while and every time I do, unfortunately, Spurs always, it's either an international break or they're up north somewhere in, you know, Sunderland back in the day. But, uh, you know, the closest I've I've been to a Spurs match is actually at Crystal Palace, which is obviously not a Spurs match at all, but it was the only, only game in London the weekend I was there.
0: Ah, well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing as well. It's uh, it's coordination. I've done the same thing. I, I quite often have uh, arranged trips around games where I can. And I did one. I remember we were playing Blackburn Rovers, I believe, and have not been in the Premier League for a number of years. And it was watch the game on a Saturday, fly back on the Sunday. Of course, what did TV do? Wow. Move the game to the Sunday. Right. And it was the only game I was going to see for a year, 18 yeah, months. Yeah, that took us like a two and a half year gap between games. It really sucked. Yeah, <laughs> just... So... <laughs> so that's great. I was going to give you a before we dive into, you know, obviously what's been happening today and what's been going on and what will be going on for the rest of the season. Uh, just a few upgrades, updates some uh, around the, the country. Um, just got some updates from Ottawa Spurs. Uh, unfortunately, still no pub for them, um, even though they're starting to release and the social distancing uh, requirements. The pub is still where the TV viewing is for that pub is still quite restrictive. So they're still not going to be able to have viewings right now. Um, Still waiting for some updates from Toronto Spurs. Uh, They were hoping for this game, but I think maybe for the next game in Everton on Monday, uh, but I'll get some confirmation out on Twitter before then for Scotland Yard being open as the downtown core of Toronto is slowly starting to open up. And uh, Vancouver Spurs were open uh, at their secret venue, reservations only today. I was there um, with a small bijou crowd watching uh, the, the all that went on today. Um, and um, they continue to have that venue for the rest of the season. And I think they've already got all the reservations sorted out for the Woolwich Wanderers game in a few weeks. Uh, and that's probably more for pride than anything else so um uh, that's a, a, around the around the country uh hopefully more information coming in hoping to get a few more guests coming in from uh, the east coast uh trying to line up with somebody from halifax which will be the furthest east we've had so far uh but more information with that to come and we're hoping to get somebody from ottawa spurs on next week but uh, it's uh, unplanned as yet so let's get down to um what happened today uh harry kane hits the back of the net four times uh, normally that would be a spectacular day, but today it was not. And uh, discuss. <laughs> 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 so, what were your initial thoughts?
1: I was, I was kind of hoping we were going to talk about Liverpool losing four nothing instead.
0: Well, you know what? Uh, uh, the, I was going to watch that game afterwards in the same pub, and um, the because. There's still lots of overflow issues in Vancouver uh, and social distancing. Uh, The Liverpool pub was full and the overflow was going to come into our overflow pub or our temporary pub afterwards. I just couldn't handle it, it, you know, Mm -hmm. red and white for one and then the gloating for another. So the first person turned up with a with a red scarf on and I was out of there. So I was driving back and by the time I got home, they were three nil down. So it's it's a bit of a hangover. You can imagine. I mean, uh, Man City will take it, but. Yeah, it's uh, I think the big question is after all of this is do we really want to play on Thursday nights or not?
1: Yeah and I I've, I've kind of gone back and back and forth on this. Um you know there's obviously pros and cons. The last thing I read was that a lot of teams were actually losing money with the travel back and forth. Obviously, you know, you're taking a big hit from the Champions League. Uh, I mean again, I guess you know, do you want to blunt uh, some of your younger players in, you know, that's never really been, you know, a big priority for for us, I don't think. So, you know, personally for me, I think I I'd be happy just to scrap it altogether.
0: Yeah, I think it's I, I kind of tend to agree with you. And you look at clubs who have who have done that, who have gone the well, let's just dip out of it. You know, Arsenal did it a while. Chelsea did it a little while. Manchester United Leicester. similar. Yeah, Leicester. You know, who have then you know using the Peter Crouch uh, back stronger uh, <laughs> scenario um, have done that very very well. But I uh, I don't know if you saw the um, the Spurs TV. Uh, uh, Jose Mourinho interview after the game and I caught it on, uh, on social media and he was quite open, you know, basically lots of possession, um, kind of more shots on goal, more corners, but we just, there was not enough strength and there was not enough guile and there was not enough. It was, it was pretty abject. And, um, but, but let's, let's talk about the, the first thing that comes to mind, which will be, you know, discussed and discussed, discussed as a game changer is the, um, is the cane goal that wasn't.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that that VAR decision was just atrocious. You know, we, again, both of us having season tickets to the MLS club here, like, we're used to seeing really poor officiating. Like, you don't expect to see that in the Premier League. You know, if a referee misses something in the moment, you can forgive that. I mean, certainly we get angry, but the fact that you get to go watch the replay where you clearly see Lucas being fouled and the ball hitting him on the back of the arm with his head turned the other direction. And then again, like, you compare that to what we saw in the Manchester United game, not our game against them, but you know, the fact the ball literally went out of bounds, then whoever it was, Martial was clearly offside and they don't even look at it. I mean, like it's just turning the league into such a joke. And I'm by no means saying that, you know, That's why we lost this game. But, you know, it it certainly didn't help. And it's something that is really frustrating. fans.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. I did. I did actually see the VAR for the show and he actually wasn't offside. I actually saw this. They did show it later. But but I agree with you. That first part with the with the ball being out and it was so far out. It was like Pedro Mendes out. Right. You know. Uh, how that anybody could have missed that unless the, you know, the assistant referee thought the ball was twice the size it was like a beach ball and that ball's touching the line. There was no way. But the crazy thing about that was, um, Liverpool should have lost five, nothing today because the exact same scenario happened. The ball gets knocked through Phil Foden hits the ground with his hand sprayed out. The ball bounces off his hand. That's on the ground. And then I think mare scores, and it gets disallowed for handball, and it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And you look at that whole scenario of um, advantage, nobody knows what's going on. And I think the craziest thing, more than anything else, and I'd love your opinion on this, is that why isn't the referee going to the monitor?
1: Well, that that's exactly. And I obviously, you know, I know the the focus isn't about VAR, but like I look, you know, you look at VAR because I used to say you know, soccer, football, whatever you want to call it, seemed to be kind of that last big sport that had not modernized every other sport, hockey, American football, tennis had all adapted to that. And again, you know, you look back in the history, you know, again, like, was it uh, Frank Lampard's goal in, in, you know, the world cup, you know, years back where the ball clearly crossed the line. And they figured that out because they had the goal line tech, although I guess they botched that when the the season first started, I guess that was the Sheffield game. So it was pretty hard done by, but VAR the way it's been implemented in a game as fluid as soccer is just simply not working because how far back do you go? I mean, you know, a sport like, like football, American football, it's, it's constantly start and stop baseball. Same thing. Like you have like, you have an interval where it's easy to reset to. You don't have that in soccer. And because it is so fluid and because it is moving constantly, and like, you know, like again, there's an end zone in football that doesn't move. The off-sideline constantly moves in soccer. So it just, it does not work the way it's being applied. I mean, like (laughs) scrapping it all together would be better than what we're seeing now.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree with you. And if if you look at the, you know, the extension of the game, and nobody wants to see that, you know, the little, I understand the water breaks uh, when it's hot. And when it's pouring down a rain in Manchester and they're taking a water break, uh, just because it's the end of June, beginning of July is, is ridiculous. Um, but, and, but then again, uh, I don't want to see the stop and start in the game. I don't want to see it. I, I remember I um, go down to the Seahawks as well and uh, been a season ticket holder for many years there, too. And, but it's amazing. That's a whole experience, tailgating and the games, three hours. But if you ever go onto to the... Uh, NFL channel when you, you watch the abridged version it's 43 minutes of play that's it <laughs> right. it's, it's, yeah, it's, for sure. and so you actually watch what's actually happening on the field as opposed to what's happening off the field right. but right. but today I think you know uh is where do you start I mean hey, when you start picking apart today's game I think you know I still look at the Sanchez Dyer yeah. scenario in, the, in at the back he brings on baton at the you know at the last minute uh, obviously he's fit and healthy and, and it was little enough to sign under the contract for uh, another month uh, toby old sitting on the bench and can't get a look in um it seems weird what, what are your thoughts on formation and, and how we approach the game
1: well, I guess, you know, looking at the lineup, you know, I think I sarcastically tweeted out, you know, pro tip, stop putting ends on ballet in your starting lineup prediction. It's not going to happen. And clearly, once again, today, it, it didn't happen. I think what the big surprise to me was, was that Bergewein and Lucas were in the lineup, because I think when most people were going back and forth, it was either or, or Lamella, um, you know, those guys. But to have Lucas... And one like I was trying to calculate that in my head, like what formation is that? I guess it'd be a four four two or, or a four two three one. But what seems to be lacking is we would get into the final third, relatively easy, but then nothing would happen. And, you know, yeah. Kane still looks a little bit off the pace. Clearly he's still scoring because that's the kind of player he is. He is that good that even in, a, in poor games, he still scores goals. But we we don't have anybody, and we haven't had anybody since Christian Eriksen's form went out the window, you know, a season and a half ago. It, it really shows you, I think, just how reliant we were on Christian Eriksen when he was in form, because you know, we've been suffering ever since. I mean, the fact that we somehow made Champions League and a Champions League final last year, I mean, the stars had to align for that. All the other teams around us had to be poor. Um, to get to the Champions League final, we needed a whole bunch of VAR and a couple of miracles, but we just—we have never filled that gap. And so it's easy to point that, well, we could assign Bruno Fernandes, who is just destroying it for Manchester yeah. United now. Uh, and again, I know that's too easy because there's a lot of that goes into play there, but there's, there's no fluidity in that, in that final attack. I mean, you know, again, like a guy that, you know, I haven't seen come up all that much is his son. And I, I kind of wondered, like, has the guy just kind of checked out? Like he, he was, you know, almost doing nothing. And I kind of wonder, like, is, does he not fit, you know, the, the plans of Mourinho? Like he just, he doesn't have that usual jump that he has. And again, like, there's just, we're, it's like we, it's like a wave, just constantly hitting a wall and, you know, nothing changes.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had the same thought that though. I'm watching the game for the first five, 10 minutes. What formation are we playing? You know, uh, looking at the, 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 team lineup, I'm doing the same thing. We, are we, we playing a four? No, we're playing a three. So who's in midfield. So who's, who's, pre- who's, so wh- what are we doing? And, and, uh, and again, I, same thing. It was, there was that fluid moment to the front and then all of a sudden it was congested and there was no originality. And there was, uh, it was almost a, a situation where it was, um, we were more we played more like a team at the bottom end of the table desperate for a goal over a quality team trying to break another team down with some individual skill and confidence and it seemed to me that there was a lot of kind of lack of confidence there and, and it was interesting again listening to to um marino's comments about you know lack of support and covering he says, well we've been coaching you know skip to maybe do a defensive role and this that and the other i'm going this is crazy it's absolute yeah. craziness it's But my my biggest thing, I agree with you, in the middle of the park, it it just seemed a little bit bit off. But, uh, you know, what would be your thoughts on, you know, an ideal start or an ideal formation, considering what we've got right now and who's the manager?
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's tough to play. I mean, there's there's it just feels like there's just so many holes in this team. And again, if you know you go back to the kind of the dream season, again, we obviously didn't win anything back then. And you look at you look at who we had and who we've got now, and you start, you know, obviously Loris is still there, but we went from Rose, Walker, Peak Alderverald and Bertongan, Dembele and Wanyama to Ben Davies, Serge Aurier, Eric Dyer, Davinson Sanchez, in a lot of instances, Harry Winks and Musa Sissoko. Like that is an epic drop off of talent. I mean, I, uh, those guys, like I, I I know people disagree with me a lot on Winks and Sanchez to me, those guys don't start for any other team in the top 10.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think Winks is a very specific player. If he's got quite a bit of room, like I always look at him, he plays well in champions league games because they give him room in midfield and he looks a million dollar A million is not much now, (laughs) but you know what I mean? He, he looks like a 20, 30 million dollar player in that scenario. But in in the press, um, and it was inter- interesting to see as well when Andon came on towards the end, chasing, trying too hard, and, and it just seemed to me, and, and with the people with me at the at the pub today watching the game, you know, they were all agreeing that everybody's trying to make that you know million dollar pass, that that through ball, that killer ball, rather than just working the players out of position, moving the team around, you know, like uh, all the top teams are doing right now. And that's yep. the the way particularly Sheffield United is set up. They're the stingy, now the stingiest defense in the Premier League after four got put past um, Liverpool today. And you don't think, you know, I'm playing at home. I know there's no crowd, but you see a situation where they're so well structured, so secure, so consistent, uh, obviously partly through necessity with the size of the squad. But uh, we just just know kind of imagination and uh, where did you see any imagination coming from was there any any stars for you today
1: i think the only guy that looked any good to me was steven bergewin in 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 the first half like he, he was all over the place trying to make things happen i think he has a decent eye for a pass as well as you know for a goal um so i thought he looked decent i thought giovanni lichelso was was pretty awful today um a guy that had been really good in the games that he had played, like he he really made almost no impact. Cause I think, you know, again, what I'd complained about before the, the break uh, due to COVID was there was nothing connecting the defense to the front three or front four yeah. know, on the formation we were playing. And, and he really did fill that job pretty, pretty admirably. I mean, like you said, with the wings, I think when he has time, you know, he does make good passes, but you know, he's far from press resistant. Um, yeah. He doesn't defend all that well But Gio Levo- Gianni Lachey does do all those Things well and I thought today was just just Unfortunately an off day for him because You know Sissoko I didn't think Played all that well like, again like he's a guy who's Him and Lamella are two guys I think like they're always busy and I, they're you know they're they're heads in the right place hearts in the right place but the quality is just not there and i know when lamella came on just like the last game like he looks to be busy and he looks to get involved and you can obviously appreciate the effort but just so wasteful in the final third like you just don't see that kind of incisive pass uh and you know back to your point around you know we're not knocking the ball around like we don't maintain possession like how many times do we complete more than four passes, you know, together, you know, when we're in the final third? Like, there's just no patience, you know. And again, that's to reminisce back to Dembele. Like, he used to just recycle possession. You know, it could be frustrating if, you know, sometimes you have to go back. But, like, we're here. We would just constantly lose the ball. And, of course, you know, in the second half, when we were putting everything forward. We got two goals scored on us.
0: Yeah, and I think it was... LaSalle's poorest game for me, in the, you know, I've seen since he's really established himself in the first team, uh, uh, it was almost like a, an Ericsson display. And I don't mean that in a positive way. I mean that in that the guy couldn't tackle all of a sudden. Yeah. You know, also yeah. when he came in, the one thing he was is, my God, it's an Ericsson who can tackle. You know, right. who can fight back and today he was very lightweight um and uh you know very much off the pace and you can't argue the fact that you know i know they're playing quite a few games and we've got another one on monday and we'll talk about the games to come shortly but um it, it, it seems strange to me that it's not as if um there, there was a, a we're in a stage where it's back to back to back games they're coming uh, so we had plenty of rest uh, and everybody's sitting there saying well the four squads available you know apart from the two we know that aren't so he's got no issues with choice um a lot of time to coach uh you know i just saw you know from the interview earlier very honest marino you know, um, wherever he's just resigned, resigned to the fact that, uh, he is where he is. And there's lots of people around chasing, you know, the positions, I think we'll probably end up hopefully in the Europa League, but I think that's primarily for the cash. It's, yeah. it's not going to be for any other reason. It's not going to be for the glory. Uh, it's just going to be for the cash. And I think that's where, uh, you know, unfortunately we need to be, but, um, that, that's one of the things I want to talk about as well later on is that, you know, the naming rights to the stadium, the, the the Levy's looking for a, how did he put it? A, a North American yes. style deal, uh, as in big bucks, you know, more than ever been paid for anything out there. And I can see him getting something from that. But what do we need? Uh, you know, I, I, mean, I mean, you could say, you know, when somebody else posted on Twitter, uh, named two things that the Spurs side need. And I said a new first team and a new bench. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, <laughs> so wh- where do you think we're we're short? I mean, if you had let's, I'm not going to give you a dollar figure or anything. Let's say you had to. You had three positions. uh to upgrade us on which is realistically where we're going to be if we've sure. got some free transfers or some money available i can't see any more than three players coming in i don't know about you feel free to chip no. in but uh, where would you see those three biggest needs
1: i mean i think people talk about the defensive midfielder which seems to be um, something that we we really do lack we don't really have anybody that you know obviously that's their actual position we've had a couple of different players you know attempt to fill that role and, you know there's talk that oliver Skip. Could be brought up but i mean again i i I have no offense to to oliver skip but you know you look at youth team players and you know realistically are they going to work out most of the time the answer is no and that's just a a, you know a fact where you know i'm not saying a lot of these players weren't great when they played for the youth teams but they have to get way better to be premier league uh, players especially for one who you know is a top four or at least a top four hopeful like uh, like spurs are so i think having a defensive midfielder who actually plays that position Um, you know, I think, I think center back is a position we're going to need to figure out. Like, again, like I know Davinson Sanchez is a guy that a lot of people disagree with me on, but I'm really just not that big of a fan. Like I, he's a great athlete, but I think he lacks basic skills that you need to have at this level. I mean, he's what 24 now, which I know is not old but you haven't figured out how to dribble and pass like to me that that is a liability and so maybe he's a squad player but I have a hard time seeing him or or Dyer, you know making that position their own long term and then I guess you know we've got a third a third need um you know we've talked about the second striker but again if if we're going for the most pressing needs it has to be either left or right back I mean we only have one right back right now Serge Aurier who obviously has his own limitations and some strengths and on the other side it's Ben Davies and I don't know maybe maybe Ryan Sesanian can grow into that role but you know I'll, I'll believe it when I see it so I mean I really think we need to build from back to front
0: yeah and it's 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 a question of we've heard lots of speculation to you know the last week about uh, swap deals and obviously after you know the pandemic crisis and the money being tight for everybody there's there's you know and this almost could be where you know, uh, the Spurs, uh, backroom could shine, you know, they're the ones for the deal. So yeah. it, it's, you know, traditionally down the years and particularly, you know, we've been very good at not spending money, you know, over a long period of time and whether or not those deals uh, are viable with, uh, you know, there's all talk of the, uh, and swap opportunities, uh, I've heard Coutinho and many others, and and I agree with you. And, and the, whether or not there's a support striker for Harry Kane, and the biggest thing you hear about that is, well, why would I come and join, you know, Spurs if I'm not going to be guaranteed um, playing time? Well, look at all the other top teams. Yeah. You know, if you sit there and say, well, I've got, you know, Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool, all of them have got three, four guys who, when they come on the field, you go, well, you could be the number nine, number ten hands down it doesn't it doesn't matter and and that's what you know performing at this top end is all about i mean as i say many many times i first started supporting spurs we got relegated so i always hold where we are right now you know relatively speaking speaking. you know you only bitch and moan because you can i think it's but it's all related to where we are right now and i think once the finances settle down and you know um then we're in a, a really good position for for going forward uh, better than we ever have been considering the potential revenue that stadiums going to drive not just for um, the game days but obviously the anti-Joshua fight uh, Lady Gaga concerts Guns N' Roses commercial NFL events games. NFL games you know it's going to be a, a, a magical place um, for many many years to come but we're talking about what's going to happen now. You know, you want to be that stadium's designed to have, you know, European football played in it. Hopefully Champions League. And there has to be something that's going to happen now. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And uh, my my interesting point, which I want to come back to you on is Son. You know, um, what do you think? Is he being played in the wrong position? Is he being asked to do something different? I know it's the same thing. he's has been off the boil.
1: He has. Like, he he seems to be glued to the sideline a lot. And whether that's because he's being told to play there or if something is just, you know, not clicking. I mean, I guess the other thing about Son, you know, he's had brilliant moments, obviously, for Spurs. You know, obviously, you know, when, when Kane was out last year, those two goals against City, he really looked like he was stepping up as a leader. But like, but the guy is hot and cold. And that, I think that is the bottom line. Like he goes through these great hot stretches, but he does go cold. And if he's in a cold stretch right now, you know, that, that certainly explains it. I mean, he's, he's, he's very well liked. Um, he's, he's in phenomenal shape. You know, he's, he's a hard worker. So, you know, I was talking to somebody earlier who is, you know, the Korean uh, expat as well. And just, you know, a big Sun fan. They said, well, you know, it, it would be out of character if he had just quit on the team. So, you know, and I, I believe that. But, you know, it just, he's not contributing a lot. Like, he's not beating anybody. And, you know, that was something that was missing as well. Is just like, just no ability to, to beat the man. Uh, and again, though, but maybe that's because there's nobody, you know, putting passes together. So, you know, Sun's out on the wing by himself. And Sheffield, who's defensively well-organized, can have two or three guys standing over there. There's nowhere for him to go.
0: Yeah, and with such an organized defense, I mean, what I was stunned to see continually today was nobody directly driving through the box a la Bergwijn against Manchester United? um It was everybody. Sissoko had a go, Son had a run, uh, Bergwine had a run, Mora had a run. Okay, Mora got pulled over and handball and no goal. But everybody's looking for the pass, and the passes were short and the passes were off. The passes were often telegraphed. Uh, and the, it was like that lack of confidence as i say it seems to be we're not sitting there hopefully looking we're last year's champions league finalists if you want to you know hold us to a pedestal and you're going to a team who got promoted last year albeit they've been doing fantastically well and i take nothing away from sheffield united today they outplayed us and deserved the win but you look at where we are and what we're doing and what we're trying to be you know, I, I was. It was just very, very disappointing that nobody just, you know, not even one of the players, but just in general, took the game by the scruff of the neck and just ran at them and uh, played into a hand. They we played into their hands all game, unfortunately. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, like, well, and you know, your question of like, did anybody stand out? And I said, I thought he was was pretty good, and so I was surprised to see him come off as the first sub, you know, just before the the 60th minute, and he was trying to make things happen, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, other than you know that Kane goal that obviously should have stood, I mean, we really didn't challenge, you know, Sissoko blew a couple of chances, uh, Luchelso you thought might, you know, take a, take a shot first time, and they just didn't, so it's, and again, whether it's a weak mentality, I mean, I'm... I'm tempted to just say, like, I I just really don't think a lot of these players are good enough, depending on what level we expect to be at. And again, we had such a good run for a couple of years there where it really seemed like we were on the cusp of, you know, of of just a golden generation of players. And unfortunately, you know, when you look at the fact that we lost a Champions League final, we've lost two Mm -hmm. FA Cup semifinals where we probably should have won and gone on to win the Cup, a league final. That has to weigh on the team you know that has to weigh on the guys just being like if not now then whenever Uh, and you know that's you know what I was thinking after the game is you know there is a list of players that I think we should definitely sell what I'm worried about are the Suns and the Canes and I guess the Endombele's who are you know certainly have the pedigree are going to force a sale at some point because at what point do they stop believing in the project
0: and the thing is as well we're only realistically in the first few months of the uh, Jose Mourinho era and He's taken over a team that, you know, that was built by Mourinho. Yep. And, and uh, OK, a number of people with tenure and, you know, they always talk about refreshing a squad, adding new players, keeps people keen and eager and fresh. And, and, and we've not had that. So you can see that there may be some staleness there. But I also think as well that you're trying to take a team with... Not the resources that he had at Chelsea yeah. or at Manchester United, and then trying to all of a sudden go out and buy four or five, six, eight players, drop the people as you mentioned, the the holding midfielder, the solid defence, uh, more speed on the wings, the you know the uh, the the attacking flair. Uh, even if you do kind of park the bus, it's it's done it's done with style and done with flair, and you still get out of there with with uh, with wins and with titles and with cups, and and that's where I think that you know, Marino's sitting there and he seems very, I wouldn't say confident, but I think he knows what he's walked into. He's not done anything with uh, any sort of, uh, oh my God, what did I sign up for? I think he signed up very clearly to what he knew the project was. Uh, You know, I can't criticize him right now for trying to do what he's doing with the players he's got. I just don't think he's got the players he's got to do what he wants to do with them. And I agree with you. There is, definitely you know a lack of quality if you stand there and look at our team right now i think you know with the exception of probably kane coming back to fitness would any of those guys drop into the top 4 right now three or four teams uh, you'd you str- struggle to say yes you know yeah, and uh, i think well i think we'll leave it there and you know the blades are out and the blades cut us down so uh <laughs> yeah what a and unfortunately as well the Woolwich Wanderers are now above us above us by a point but we play them yep. in a couple of weeks so so let's move on to the coming games we start off with um, Everton up and coming on Monday and uh, you know they've kind of all of a sudden had a resurgence and uh, yep. they're playing well so what do you think what do you thought quick turnaround we play again on Monday uh, what are your thoughts for next week
1: yeah I mean, well, you know having uh clearly having a, a full week off didn't do us any good either, so you know certainly a quick turnaround maybe you know there'll be some motivation to get back at it but like you said, I mean, Everton have looked pretty good. Like they should have beaten Liverpool before Liverpool had clinched the title. So they obviously were motivated at that point in time. Like, and they have looked good. Um, and, you know, like I just, I, I think every team except you know, West Ham, but uh, I think I, I really feel when I'm watching Spurs play that almost every team looks better than us. And I, I don't think every team is, has a better squad than us. Like I, I do think for example, you know, with Arsenal, like I think we have a better team than Arsenal, but I do not think we'll get more than say a two, two draw out of that game. Like, It just there's there's just no fluidity and whether that's, you know, you want to put the blame on Mourinho for tactics, which. You know, is 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 questionable. I mean, I think certainly people can put the blame there, and they're right to do so. I mean, Pochettino clearly couldn't get more out of the team now than um, than Mourinho was. And again, to start uh, at the at the beginning of the restart, you know, those couple of games where yeah, we drew to United, but United also looked really good. So that that one one draw actually looked pretty good based on how good they're looking. And then of course the clean sheet against West Ham. We know West Ham is not great. Granted, they you know just beat Chelsea uh, yesterday. Um, And so it seemed like a couple of steps in the right direction, and it seemed like you know we'd only conceded that one goal, which was a penalty, and then you concede three today against a team who's not scoring a lot of goals right now. So it's hard, honestly, it's hard to to see us being anybody right now. We've already got West Ham out of the way; we can't play them again.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, if you look at some of the games coming up with the last six, you know, you've got, and I mean, there's some. I mean, I think Bournemouth. I think they've mentally gone. I watched the game against Newcastle, right. and they got ta- they got taken apart. Um, but then again, we play Newcastle after we play the Woolwich Wanderers, and he say, "Well, yep. they they got nothing to lose. They're going yep. to they they're playing done. at home. They're going to come at us." Leicester are still fighting, you know. Um, Everton are still fighting. They're in a very similar position to us. Uh, and then you have got Palace, who's doing the same thing. There's yep. there's no there's apart from probably the Bournemouth game, you're looking at a tough. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no gimmies anywhere in, in that environment. And some of the teams around us have got, uh, as you say, considerably, you say easier run-ins, yeah. uh, and they're also, <laughs> if you want to look at it, playing a damn sight better than us. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, I, I joked when we came back, I said nothing but 27 points, like <laughs>
1: yeah, of course
0: three straight nine nine straight three, sorry. Um, it is, is acceptable. And, and now you're sitting there going wow you know it is but I, you know i, I don't doubt I, I can't believe that um in a similar way that i i don't think the crowd would have put up with uh, us parking the bus against Manchester united you know I, if he does that at home against arsenal wow. uh you know he's got to go at them i think they are vulnerable at the back he's got to go at them okay they, they have got a you know a strong strike force going forward and obviously obama yang sitting uh joint top of the of the golden boot um, situation but then we've also got later on than that we've got you know Vardy is chasing the golden boot also so yep. there's a there's a number <laughs> number of teams we kind of go yeah when i looked at this at the beginning i went well yeah there's a strong potential of a lot of these teams weren't performing and i was saying maybe That's leicester right. will give us a game and obviously may united to start off with and the rest i thought hey we were you know considering yep. we hadn't we weren't playing that well but we got all our players back from injury Yes, let's go. Let's go.
1: Well, not that's <sighs> the thing. and your point about getting those key players back. Of course, getting you know Kane and Sun back at full health, and Bergevin uh, as well as Sissoko to uh, to a lesser extent, but still an important squad player. Like you, we wanted to see, you know, would those star players, you know, at least cover for us to a certain degree. You know, we aren't winning the Premier League with this team, but those really, really good players, you know, you assume cover up a lot of patches. You know, but we're not even we're not scoring goals. Um, You know, we got the the first goal against West Ham was a fluke. You know, we got one against Manchester United. Then, you know, Kane got a a counter goal against West Ham. But like, we are just, we're not, we don't look dangerous at all.
0: Yeah. And and I think is, is that, as I mentioned previously, it's that, um, you know, it's ownership. It's taking ownership. It's somebody grabbing the team by the scruff of the neck and saying, you know, I'm going to take you on Kane. Is, is not a pacey player. He's a strong, yeah. insightful, intelligent, you know, drops back, holds a space, uh, you know, against Manchester United, basically, they were just pinging balls up to his head, and Maguire owned him, and plus, it was his first game back. Uh, again, West Ham, he, I mean, he's playing every minute he can. He, he's chasing the goals, and there's no doubt his commitment, and, and he deserved the goal he got against West Ham. He deserved the goal he got today, yeah. as I was joking at the beginning of the podcast. He hit the back of the net four times. Um, so, there's, there's it's, you can't, but you can't rely on that one player. I mean, and even with him on the field, it, it, you're looking at if he's a foil for others and dragging people off the play. They've got to run through and have opportunities, and it, it just isn't happening. But uh, you know, you know. But saying that, we'll probably go and kick Everton's ass and Bournemouth and Arsenal's, and then we'll be sitting there in a few weeks going, "Whoa, that was just a blip. <laughs> give us all, a, give us all a false dawn." And we'll be sitting thinking we're going to be champions next year again. Uh, so, yeah, it's I think it's very very interesting as to as to where it sits. The I think the transfer window more than anything this season is going to be a um, a major major. Um, a window for us uh, what are your thoughts on that i know we talked a little bit before about what's needed was there any dream team any names that popped up any uh, rumor mill things that you've seen that you go oh that would be beautiful for us
1: you know who i always wanted that i knew we were ever going to get was leroy Sané. yeah yeah if we're talking uh, if we're talking uh, dreams here
0: fifth was it 54 million
1: yeah i think so he, he, and, and, and and a salary of like 300 plus
0: yeah, and, and, and but then going from Man City where he's he's already at that you know upper echelon of of uh, of salary is that expectation set. Then you're looking at that situation, and, and as I said, I think that as we mentioned previously, getting to that stage where Spurs are trying to position themselves to be in that upper echelon, they want to be there, and to be there, you know, you've got to. I won't say speculate to accumulate, but they've built in the foundations. You know, you can say, have we got the best training ground in the country and the best stadium in the country? Uh, there's bucket loads of money coming in from, you know, the revenue, game day revenue, uh, sponsorship worldwide. But it doesn't seem to transcend to what's crossing the line, you know, for the 11 players. And, yeah. uh, you know, even for the likes of, you know, we've got the captain of England, and the captain of France, World Cup winner, sitting in our team. And we're sitting in, what is it now, eighth in the table? Ninth, I think. Eight ninth ninth, is, yeah. don't, don't depress me any further. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, everybody sees me and goes, oh, you're the eternal optimist. And I am always optimistic, as I say, going back to being relegated the first year. But it's really, really crazy that we're in this situation right now, uh, particularly off the back of what happened, you know, last year. I think if if we all sat there and went if you looked at what happened to Liverpool the year before, you know, they get turned over in the final and they go, let's go again. Let's go again. And uh, and off they go. And albeit they were in a much better position in the league than us anyway that year. And they were unlucky not to win the league last year, but uh, it's that pressing on. And we just didn't see the press on and whether that's, as you, as you alluded to, whether that's a bit of mental frailty, you know, from the, the close, but not close enough over the last number of years.
1: Well, and I think as well, you know, the whole big club narrative, you know, whatever you want, your definition of that is, you know, when you look at Liverpool, because of course that's what's coming out. Now, everybody's referencing, you know, the four one game a couple of seasons ago where Liverpool turned over seven of their 11 starters. Uh, and just like you said, you know, they lost the champions league final. What do they do? They went and broke transfer records for the most expensive defender and the most expensive goalkeeper in history. They had two black sized holes in their lineup and they fix them. They fix them with quality players who are well-known players. And we we don't do that. And that's kind of where I, I stopped comparing us to Liverpool because even when Liverpool was poor for years leading up to the Klopp years, they were still spending a ton of money on guys like Andy Carroll and Lazar Markovich. They were always spending money like a big club. They just weren't having big club results. So it's one of the things that kind of irritates me when you hear Liverpool trying to pull the, the Leicester narrative of, you know, building within and all that kind of stuff, which is, is BS. But anyway, they're a big club and they they act like it. Um, and Spurs aren't. And I think, you know, to be on the cusp of a big club, but you have to win stuff. And so I, I tweeted earlier in the week that, No disrespect to Pochettino and how much progress he made with the team, but he convinced a lot of people, me included, that it was okay that we hadn't won trophies. We were building to something. But all of a sudden, that progress came to a screeching halt and we won nothing. And what he, you know, he had said for a couple of seasons that, you know, we we needed fresh blood. We needed a turnover. And as I was just, you know, parsing through Twitter, you know, somebody said, you know, we never replaced Kyle Walker. We never replaced Erickson. We never got a backup for either Lorente or Vincent Janssen, Never replaced Juan Wanyama. Never replaced Rose. And so, you know, all this money that we've saved, you know, where did it go? And obviously we made a couple of big purchases last summer in Ndombele and Le and Sessegnon. And right now, only one of those three looks like, you know, they're, they're going to have any kind of long-term future the way things are going. But I, I also look at our scouting and how poor our pay- player acquisitions have been, right? And you look <laughs> at clubs, you look at clubs who spend considerably less money than us. And they have decent young, like even if they're above average players, but like they can do the job in the Premier League. Whereas we're taking these risks, signing players out of the French league or the Dutch league, and a couple work out, and a lot of them don't. Whereas, you know, you look up not signing Bruno Fernandez, usually Levy would then go and take the cheap option. And in this case, it would have been Jack Graylish. And we didn't do that either. And that was a big failing. Like I would be really curious to know if we had signed a guy like Grealish, who was Premier League ready. Um, you know, I know 25 million was a lot to play, a lot to pay for a guy coming out of the championship, but he'd been there and he would have slotted right in. And that guy has an eye for a pass. Like that to me is one of the biggest failings. I think that's a bigger failing than Bruno Fernandes.
0: Yeah. I got two things to add to that. I mean, off the back of, you say the scouting and it's a very interesting article in the athletic, uh, about the Liverpool sporting director who was actually our sporting director before Mm -hmm. he went to Liverpool. And they were talking about his success and, and uh, his background and where he came from. If you if you're a subscriber to Athletic, it's a very good read. And um, one of the things that they talk about there is that um, how how they embraced his uh, you know, the, the mantra uh, of the way he uh, finds and 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 hires uh, transfers and signings. And basically, their the last fifteen signings have all been successful. Fifteen for fifteen, no no duffers. No ones that have uh, failed to perform uh, and and they have a firm structure. Uh, I think they were talking about Emre Chan, who, who wanted to sign a contract with a clause in it, uh, you know, an out clause. And they didn't want any out clauses in the contracts And because he was um, determined to have an out clause. They got rid of him. Right, and that's just the way it was. It was like if you're not prepared to commit to the club, then uh, without any of these buyout clauses, then we don't want you. And considering, you know, a great player, how well he was playing, we could quite happily be fitting into that squad right now. Gone, you know, obviously successful, you know, back on the continent. But uh, yeah, the recruitment is is, is huge, uh, and uh, I, gr- I agree with you on the on the transfer part. And it wouldn't surprise me either that if you're looking at the scenario, which which you kind of mentioned before, where you know. We don't pick up uh, player A, and then we look at Grealish, and then um, it it wouldn't surprise me. Again, Grealish has had a great season. He'll be in the Premier League next year if Villa aren't guaranteed. But it wouldn't surprise me either if we don't pick up him because he's too expensive. But we pick up maybe Todd Cantwell from Norwich, you know, who's like an up-and-coming Jack Grealish, right? So, but you kind of look at that. Well, why shouldn't we have had Fernandez? I know, and then maybe and Grealish, maybe you're looking at those scenarios of of, of where, but it's also then wanting to come to the club. You're looking at the, you know, uh, the situation where a lot of these players at that upper echelons come to win, come to be involved in a team consistently in those environments. They're they're playing that well that they've earned that level, as it were, of making those choices. And we go back to you know as much as it, we hate to say that. Well, when was the last time you won anything? When was the last time you won a trophy? Am I going to come and win things with you? And it's only so many times you can say we have a project, you know. <laughs> it's we've had a project for for a large number of years, and as I said to you before, it's going to be interesting to see where we go in this transfer window, and you know, uh, the next season with Jose Mourinho uh, as the coach and having you know hopefully the influence he can. And also in that as well is who he knows, uh, you know, the people that are associated with his agent, players that he knows, players that he has relationships with that will maybe come to the club because of him. You know, people have got bad press about about uh, Reno, about his background and this, that and the other. But, you know, he's got a big black book. So maybe some of that could be advantage for them to come and play for us. But we'll wait and see how that runs. Mm-hmm. So... We're running pretty good right now. I was going to kind of start to wrap things up. So, um, Andrew, you mentioned Twitter. How can people get a hold of you and check, out, check you out on Twitter and find you and follow you and, and uh, listen up to all the things you say?
1: Ah, uh, right now my screen name is ez underscore a, taking the name of Eze from NWA. Although I'll probably change that up in the uh, the near future to Andrew George thirteen eighty four. Um, yeah, gotten back into the the tweeting once uh, the season started again, as it has gone pretty pretty quiet for uh, for a while there. But uh, yeah, it's easy to tweet when you're angry, and you know putting your putting your anger into uh, outer space. You know, it doesn't isn't really all that productive, but it does make you feel better.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree. I think to today was been. You know, you try not to be in a situation where you're venting. It's just a question of the, that you know the, there's a certain amount of frustration, I think as well, because we've seen how well these players can play. Uh, and when they don't turn up, uh, it's 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 pretty tough. Um, and uh, yeah. That's enough said on that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, hey, like, it's yeah. Tough, to, tough to watch. I mean, again, when I was parsing through, you know, Twitter, you know, again, just reading stuff like Lucas Moore is a guy who I actually supported Lucas Moore, I think a lot longer than a lot of other people did. But it's getting really frustrating now. Um, you know, they, they were saying, like, he's running into Kane space constantly. And, you know, there was that comparison that you know, maybe he could become our Sadio Mane athletic talented but the guy has just absolute tunnel vision he runs into nothing um you know he has the odd decent finish but one thing he does not do is he doesn't make players around him any better
0: yeah and i think it's it's i think cohesiveness, i think is the is the one word and and uh, i mean marino has been around for a long time you know he's an established coach and you sit there and say with established players it almost everybody on our team you know international players you can't say that they um they lack experience but today again going back to the game how many times were we the wrong side of the ball and you're listening to the commentary on the zone and you know it was like wrong side of the ball wrong side of the ball two players the wrong side of the ball and uh, what comes out of that goal 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 and it's it's a, it's a little frustrating to watch when, you know, you know, I'm a park football guy, you know, (laughs) know? (laughs) but you still go, you still know where you should be and what you should be doing. And, you know, we're all armchair coaches and we all want to be in that seat. And uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those days that you hope that you draw a line on it. We look at the last six games and go "Mm," apart from Bournemouth, but then you never know, this might be a kick up the arse that we need. And then we go on and, and, and perform very, very well for the rest of the season. But uh you know i think that's the eternal optimist in me i'm I, i'm realistically doing the same as you going uh, draw win draw uh, draw maybe yeah <laughs> With the where we stand right now but uh let's draw a line under it as quickly as possible i think i agree yeah. with you it'll be interesting to see when we get to the end of july and uh and then we can look at uh some of the champions league stuff in europa league um, settling down and then all too soon we're back for the the next season so yeah and then we right. can you know, we'll see what we are whether we're playing on a we went playing on a wednesday night whether we're playing on a thursday night or, or or taking the time off and and having a real go at the league who knows
1: yeah but, well and again it'll be interesting to look at you know the player the outgoing players at some point as well because you know the narrative comes up do you need to sell some of your core players to to rebrand
0: yeah uh, i i don't see um the team sheet on the first game of the season being decidedly different from what ends this season mm-hmm. obviously we've yeah, got uh, some players that are you know the likes of Vatongan who've been very very loyal who signed his extensions to the end of the year he's going I, I agree with you there'll be a number of swap deals there'll be a number of deals for people who are on the fringes of the squad to, to create revenue for maybe some um uh, some replacements for them or for some key first team players you know who knows uh but uh I'm I'm going to sit there now and I'm going to go and have a beverage. Mm-hmm. And because uh, obviously the game is 10 o'clock in the morning here in uh, beautiful yep. British Columbia, a little later in the day, if you're on the, you know, um, Eastern Standard Time or uh, on the East Coast. Uh, but the last time I did this, uh, I had a cup of tea in my hand and I was slurring over the place because I'd, I don't think I'd even woken up yet. <laughs> but <laughs> at least now uh, that was almost too much of a shock. Um, yeah. You know, I thought we'd give those guys a game today uh, and, and enough said about that. So Andrew, again, thank you so much. Um, thank you. We'll be back again uh, next week um, with the say It could be a combination of somebody from Halifax or somebody from Ottawa Spurs. We're not sure yet. We're still trying to line that up. If you need to get hold of us, it's at uh, true North N O R F pod at gmail.com. Any questions, requests, you want to be on the show, uh, any uh, good and bad experiences, Uh, you want to share from your spurs life we'd love to hear from you and so let's wrap up with a rousing come on you spurs
1: come on you spurs
0: that was a podcast by true north Productions. there we have it Another one in the bag. Episode six of the True North podcast. And here we have our traditional little epilogue. Uh, Lots of passion today. Nobody likes losing. Uh, It's great to be able to talk about football again amongst all this pandemic crisis and as everybody's starting to get back to normal. Uh, So hopefully we can get back to normal next week on a Monday and continue and close out the season wherever it takes us. Uh, Thanks again for listening. Any questions, uh, as I said before, on to Gmail, also, you can follow us on our uh, pod handle True North Pod, T R U uh, E N O R F P O D. North is in True North, strong and free, and North London is ours. So, any questions? That'd be great. Looking forward to hearing from you. And also, just a little bit, uh, I've had some questions and requests. If there was any merchandise, uh, we hadn't really considered it, but we will investigate it. I know people have liked our logo. We might play with that a little bit. And have some swag available, so more to follow on that. So, um, as I say next game is on Monday uh, against Everton. So, hopefully, for a quick turnaround, and uh, look forward to seeing you all at episode seven after that game. Come on, you Spurs.